0: We're turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 13, 2 Samuel 13, we're continuing our study. Really, we're calling it history of the nation of Israel. What we did, we started back with 1 Samuel. We saw Samuel, who was the last judge. We saw Saul, the first king. Now we're looking at David, who is the second king. And we're seeing David is, is one of the great ones of all time. And when you think about David, you say, David, the man after God's own heart. And when you think of David, you either think of David and Goliath when he was like 15 years old, killed this man nine feet, nine inches tall, or you think of David and Bathsheba and And you know, that's a bad thing. I mean, David had relations with her and just some really, really bad things happened. And we look at the book and and as we continue on uh, through 2 Samuel, it's really a a hard time. Here's the outline. Uh, We have these little cards out front. We got them when we first started studying. They're out on the table out there. If you don't have one, you can have one. On one side, it gives information about the book. On the other side, it gives basically the outline of the book. And we said that the first 10 chapters is David in triumph. Everything's going great. He becomes king over the nation of Israel expands, does everything great. And then beginning in chapter 11 through the end of the book, we call it David in Trouble. In chapter 11, he has the sexual relations with Bathsheba and kills Uriah and then the family troubles and the whole rest of the book. I mean, I hate to say it, but the whole rest of the book is really tough because it's going to be a lot of bad things. We've already seen it. We're seeing it now. Even in this chapter this morning, there's more things It's just a a tough time. And so as we look at our passage this morning, we're going back to this idea of vengeance because we remember, if you remember, this has been several weeks ago, but a man by the name of Amnon, who is one of David's sons actually rapes one of David's daughters through another, through another you know, mama, and, and then her brother named Absalom who saw this, he basically says, I'm going to get Amnon back one of these days. And so what we're looking at now is this vengeance thing, and this is it's actually really terrible because here we've got one son who wants to kill another son because of what happened with the daughter, and it's just a terrible thing. And so we talk about vengeance, we have to realize that the Bible says, leave vengeance to the Lord that he will repay, and we're going to see this. And we're going to look at how this ties together. And we, as we go through life, and the truth is this, as we go through life, we're going to have opportunities to make this application. And so this morning, we're going to see Absalom's vengeance. And you know, when, when you want vengeance, when you say, I've got to get them back because what they did to me, when you find, when you get the vengeance, it's not what you think it is. And we'll talk about it as we go through our passage. Let me give, me, give you several things to think about. First of all, we're going to talk about what about vengeance is God's way or our way? And we're going to talk about how sin is costly. We see it in the lives of David and his entire family. It's really, really sad. And then we see dealing with the whole issue of conflict. How do we do it? And we're going to talk about reconciliation and forgiveness, how all that ties together. So we'll see it as we go through our passage. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to start basically at about verse 23. I'll give you some background. Well, as we start, let me, let me. and I, when I ask this question, I know the answer. Have you ever wanted to get even with somebody? Have you ever want to get somebody back? The truth is, yeah, they, they did you wrong. They did you wrong on purpose. Sometimes people, you know, something happens to you and you go, oh, they didn't mean to do it. And then sometimes there's people who do it and they do it on purpose. And you say, they shouldn't get away with this. They're not going to get away with this. I know a person that, that he, he told me this. He said, oh, listen, uh, when, when, when somebody does me wrong, he says, I, I don't say anything to that person, but I'm going to get them one way or the other. In fact, I know, of, I know of some things that he did to a person on purpose, and he did it, and, and we'd say, God's terrible. How do we get people back? I mean, think about it. If somebody says something bad about us, we might say, well, I'm going to say something bad about them. Or when you were younger, if somebody did something wrong to us, you just hit them. You know? I, I, or sometimes now we just ignore them. They, they do us wrong. We say, I'm not going to ever even talk to that person again. Or some, I, had, I had a friend. I knew two college roommates. That they lived in this dorm and it was the athletic dorm where they were going and, and, and for somebody they had one closet in the room and so there were two guys. And so what would happen is a guy would go and he would push the other guy's claws all to the corner and, do his, and then the guy would come in and he would push, this the, pull his, and this went on and on. And they got, I mean, they were good friends, but all of a sudden they were getting really angry. So one day they decided to be smart and they put something in the middle and blocked it so the clothes could only go so far. And so they solved it, you know, but you'd go in and he'd go, well, he's got his clothes over, I'm gonna push him back, you know. And so that happened sometimes. We all think I gotta get these people back. What's the example of Jesus? What did he do? The Bible says when he was reviled, he did not get back. When he was crucified, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We're going to think about vengeance in this passage. And when you think about vengeance, it's not always what we think. First of all, it hurts us as much as it hurts the other person. You know, you think I'm going to get them back. They did me wrong. I'm going to get them back. You're the one hurting too. In fact, this whole idea of lack of forgiveness and those kind of things, it all ties together. It does hurt other people when we get vengeance, and it brings division and disputes. So vengeance is not the thing to do. And we'll talk about it. We'll see how it fits together. When when we think about this, how do we deal with it? Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Somebody does me wrong, and I mean, I don't see God getting them back. Well, you might not see him getting it back, but vengeance belongs to him. Our goal is to be reconciled and to forgive and to understand it. We'll talk more about that as we go through. Let's see where we are. The life of David. I, when, I, when I think about the Bible and I think about people, I think about Moses and David and Paul and, you know Peter, and John. Of course, Jesus. Of course, is is the one that stands out of everything. But, but I think of David and I go, what, what a man, what a man! Uh, when you, I mean, I can hardly wait to see him. Won't you want to see him? And go, David, you did great with Goliath, but you didn't do so good with Bathsheba. I mean, you know, do right? you want to say that to him? I don't think so. But anyway, David has sinned greatly. He's he's committed adultery. He's lied. There's murder involved. But we saw some amazing things. We saw that Nathan came, a prophet, and confronted him and said and told him, and David admitted that he had sinned and and that he was wrong and he confessed it. And I think this is what makes David so special. When Saul, the first king, sinned and did wrong, he would never confess it. He would never admit that he was wrong. He always blamed it on somebody else. When David did wrong, David finally said, I did wrong, and there are consequences. And this is probably one of the hardest things about the Scripture, and the hardest thing here is that God said, there are going to be consequences, David, for what you've done. We know that if a person stole a person's animal, they had to pay back fourfold. David stole somebody's wife, and David is going to pay back fourfold. He's going to lose four sons. He's already lost one. The little baby, your old baby has already died. And God said, the sword will not depart from your household. We're already seeing it. There's just going to be conflict and problems all the rest of the way. I've had somebody say, can we just get on, skip on over to 1 Kings? You know, And, and we, we might say, yeah, but there's just so much here. We've got to look at it. So remember last time, there was. A, I want you to understand that David's oldest son is by the name of Amnon. Then David had a second son who is listed but is never mentioned. We think maybe that son died. The third son is Absalom. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, because Amnon, people would say, well, Amnon's going to be next in line to be king. Absalom would be after him. The truth is, we already know that God has already said to David that you're gonna ha- you have a son, and his name is Jedidiah, which his other name was Solomon. He's going to be the next king. Well, anyway, so you've got Amnon who thinks he's going to be the next king. You've got Absalom who hates Amnon because Amnon raped Absalom's sister. And he says, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to get him. If you look at chapter 13, verse 20, when it all happened, it says, Then Absalom, her brother, that's Tamar, she got, uh, she got violated by her half-brother. And when Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon been with you? The answer, of course, is yes. Th- just keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. When you read that verse, he's not saying, oh, forget it. It's not a big deal. He's saying, you don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. What did David do when he heard that one of his sons raped one of his daughters? What did David do? He did nothing. David did nothing. Verse 21, now King David heard all these matters. He was very angry. He was very angry, but he didn't do anything. And sometimes we say, wonder why David didn't do anything. Well, because David had already done the same thing himself. It's pretty hard to go after somebody else when you've done the same thing. So look at the next verse. But Absalom, here he is, Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Now, if you think it's over, it's not over. And if you looked at it, time's going to pass, about two years are going to pass, and you could say, well, it looks like they've sort of, Everything sort of settled down. Even King David could say, well, it looks like everything's settled down. Amnon's going his way. Absalom's going his way. Everybody seems to be okay, but it's not okay because Absalom has waited to get vengeance. And see, here's the thing you got to realize. Vengeance belongs to who? Belongs to the Lord, not to us. And so Absalom is saying, one of these days, I'm going to look for the exact right time, and I'm going to kill Amnon. That's what I'm going to do. And so that's the plan. Let me give you the outline for our little chapter here, or where we are. We're going to look at verses 23 through 39. We'll go through it really quickly. We're going to see Absalom's revenge, the feast and the death, and then the reactions, what happens, and how all this happens. So look at verse 23. Now, it came about after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Baalhazar, which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's son. Now, it just said two years have passed, And Absalom, back in those days, they had all their sheep and everything, and at a certain time, they would bring all of them in, they would shear them all, and they'd have big parties. And everybody would come and they'd bring food, and everybody would help with the shearing, and it was a great time. Now, Absalom has a bunch of sheep, apparently, and he's going to shear the sheep, and he's invited all the king's sons to come. It's a a sheep's time of joy, but let me tell you something. Absalom has not forgotten. Two years have passed. Two years have passed. Now, let me ask you a question. Why, Why would Absalom want to kill Amnon? And we already know, but think about this. One is a pride issue because it's his sister's second. It is his sister, but here's the third thing. If Absalom kills Amnon, who's in line to be the next king? Absalom. So he says, I'm going to get him back. He did wrong. I'm going to kill him. And when he dies, and then when David dies, I'll be the king. That's his plan. And so he's thinking, this will happen. He, he doesn't realize Solomon's going to be the next king. So look what happens. Verse 23 again. Now, after two years, uh, two full years, that Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. He says, let's invite everybody to the party, all the sons. Absalom came to the king, that's David. He came to King David and said... Behold now, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. He basically comes to King David and says, "I'm having a big party. I'd like for you to come, and all the rest of the brothers, the king's sons. Now I think deep down, he knew David wasn't going to come. David. David says, I haven't got time for a party. I mean, I'm the king, you know. Kings have stuff to do, and so I'm not going to be able to go. And I think he knew that, but he invites King David, and he invites all the family, all the sons. Notice what happened. The king said to Absalom, "No, my son, this is verse 25, no, we should not all go, for we'll be burdensome to you. Although he urged him, he would not go, but he blessed him. He said, oh, look, go and have a great time, but I'm not going to go. Now watch the plan. Then Absalom said, verse 26, if not, then, please let my brother Amnon go with us. Now, out of all the brothers, why does he want Amnon to go? Could David have thought to himself? Notice what David says. The king said to him, why should he go with you? He says, allow, allow Amnon to come. And David says, is David suspecting anything? It's been two years. I mean, David could be saying, why, would, why do you want just Amnon to come? if we're not coming? Why do you want that? Son? We all know what's going on. He's got this planned out. David's not thinking. And so notice that, that we got, got to figure out what to do here, what, what, what to do. So notice he says, then Absalom, verse 27, Absalom urged him. So he, he let Amnon and all the king's sons go. He said, well, okay, all right, well, let's do this. Let, let, all, the, let all the boys go. Let all the sons go. And I think David is probably saying, you know, if all of them go, that, there's safeties in numbers. I mean, it's not going to just be Ab, Am, Amnon by himself with Absalom. and the, We'll just let everybody go, and everybody will be okay. And that's what I think David thought, safety in numbers. Now, watch the next verse. Absalom commanded his servants, saying, See now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then put him to death. Do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. He says this. He says, look, when Amnon gets drunk, he tells his men, listen, when Amnon gets drunk, kill him. So he's got a bunch of men with him. And he said, we're going to all be out there. We're going to be shearing sheep. All the king's sons will be there. There's Amnon. He's going to be drinking like it. And when he gets sort of drunk, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, get him. And I want you to go over there. I want you to kill him. I want you to kill him. And he said, don't be afraid. I've commanded you myself. And you know what he might have said? Listen, when you kill him, I'm going to be the next king. You don't have to worry. I'm going to take care of everything. Just do what I say and kill this man. Be courageous and be valiant. You remember that David got Uriah drunk and Absalom plans to get Amnon drunk? And notice this, that Absalom doesn't do the killing himself, and David didn't do the killing himself. You remember when David killed Uriah? David didn't do it. David put him out in war, let somebody else kill him. And here's Absalom. Absalom's not going to kill Amnon. He's going to have his own people do it. He's going to have five or six guys jump on Amnon and kill him. And then he'll say, well, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So what happened? Verse 29 the servants of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose and each mounted his mule and fled. So right in the middle of this shearing sheep and everybody drinking and a party and everybody, they, he gives the orders and they go over there and they kill him. And when he gets killed, all the rest of the sons look around and go, oh, what? And they said, we're getting out of here. And they jumped on their mules and they left. You might say that sort of broke up the party, but I mean, that's wild. I mean, here they are. They said, we got to get out of here and all the king's sons arose because they thought if he's killing Amnon, he might kill every one of us. I mean, he'd be the only son left. And, and so that's what's happened. And by the way, Amnon's death, this is the second of David's sons to die. There's going to be two more before it's over with. David will lose four of his sons going back to what happened there. So the people left. I mean, they jumped on their mules, and they fled. They got out of there because they realized what was going to happen. And let me tell you, I I bet you if you talked to Absalom and said, did this turn out like you thought it was going to turn out, the answer is going to be no. No, I didn't think it was going to turn out this way. You know what I think Absalom thinks he's going to go right back into Jerusalem and go to King David and say, I killed Amnon because he raped Tamar. You didn't do anything about it. I took care of it myself. That's what I think he thinks he's going to do. That's not what happens. So let's see what happens. Vengeance. So he killed him. And the servants of Absalom did to Amnon, just as Absalom had commanded, and all the king's sons arose. Each one mounted his mule and fled. And this is vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn over to Romans chapter 12. If you want to write that down, you can write Romans chapter 12. But there's a passage in Romans 12, verses 17 through 21, that I want you to think about because I think it's one of the hardest things in the whole Bible for us to do. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21 talks about vengeance. And listen to what it says. In verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Never pay back evil to evil. When somebody does you wrong, don't try to get them back. The goal is never to do back to somebody like they did to you. Now, the natural thing is to do back. Somebody does this to you, you say, you're not going to get away with that. I don't like that. You shouldn't have done that. I'm going to get you back. The Bible says never pay back evil with evil. He goes on to say, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Now, listen, sometimes you can't be at peace with some people because they won't be at peace with you. But it's possible from your side, be at peace. Here's the third thing he says. Never take your own revenge beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Vengeance belongs to God. Let me just say something. Sometimes people don't do us wrong. And we say, that's not right. And they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. Vengeance belongs to God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. Listen, people don't get away with anything. God deals with people, and God knows what to do. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now, so far, we say, okay, I won't do evil. I'll try to be at peace. I'll leave it to God. But there's more. And listen to this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is where it's really hard because it actually says, bless your enemy and overcome evil with good. Now, it's one thing for somebody to hurt you and to hurt me and for us to say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm forgiving them. I'm letting them go. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it to God. But then for us to do good to them and to bless them and to instead of they did evil to us, we do good to them. That's what the Bible says is supernatural. We have to trust God to deal with those who hurt us. And let me let you understand something. The natural life is vengeance. What we do naturally is we want to get revenge. What we want to do naturally is to get them back. The supernatural life and the power of the Holy Spirit is to actually bless the person that hurt you. That's really, really hard. You cannot do it unless it's God through you. That's why it's God's power. That's why we live the Christian life in God's power. That's why we can do all things through the one who strengthens us, our Savior Jesus Christ. That's why to walk in the Spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're to forgive those that hurt us. We're to release the debt. Uh, If not, it'll destroy us. By the way, if 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 you hate somebody, if you're angry at somebody, if you're not forgiving somebody, you're the one hurting right now. Not them. They don't even care. Forgiveness is you releasing the debt. You say, they don't owe me anything. I'm letting it go. I'm trusting God. He'll take care of it. You forgive them. Forgiveness is whether they ever ask for forgiveness or not, you always forgive and you forgive the moment you realize that you're angry or hurt at somebody, you forgive them. If not, you will become angry. You will become bitter and you will become depressed. And that's what happens. That's why he says, live a supernatural life. Do blessing. It's for us. Well, look what happened. So let me go back to Second Samuel, and so uh, everybody jumped on their their mules and they got out of there. Now watch. Here's back. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, and while they were there on the way, the report came to David saying Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. Word comes back to David and says, Every one of your sons are killed. Amnon, Absalom killed every son. Now that's not true. He only killed, you know, Amnon. But the word comes back to David. And look what David does in verse 31. Then the king arose and he tore his clothes and he lay on the ground. All his servants were standing by with clothes torn. To tear your clothes shows huge emotion. They would, they would take the front and they would just rip it like this. And David has done that and he's fallen on the ground and all the people are all there and they're all laying around and this is terrible, terrible, terrible. And, and so it, it's har- powerful. And notice the parallel. David took Bathsheba, ter- Amnon took Tamar. David killed Uriah, Absalom killed Amnon. It just goes the flow and the, the same thing and this whole idea goes over and over. David committed adultery, Amnon committed adultery, David committed murder, Absalom committed murder. All of this is just coming and that's why when we say about sin and we, it's never in a vacuum and it just tears up and goes through and we're seeing what's happened to David and his family. Now, we're going to meet a guy and if you ever want to not like a guy, here's the guy not to like, okay? It's verse 32, Jonadab. Verse 32, Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, responded, Do not let my Lord suppose that they put to death all the young men, the king's sons. For Amnon alone is dead, because by the intent of Absalom, this day has been determined since the day that he violated his sister Tamar. That's a real long verse, but what this guy says is, David, don't think that all the sons are dead. They're not dead. The only one that's dead is Amnon, because when Amnon violated Tamar. Absalom has had a plan for two years to kill him. So everybody's not dead. The only one that's dead is Amnon. Now, if you remember this guy, uh, if you remember way back when, uh, when Amnon violated Tamar, he's the guy. Jonadab is the guy that came up with the plan and told Amnon to pretend you're sick and get Tamar to come into the room. And when she comes in the room, you can shut the door. This is the guy that came up with the plan. And remember, we said back then, he's supposed to be a friend. He's not a friend. A friend will never help you do wrong. A friend will help you do right. This is not a friend. He acted like he was a friend of Amnon. And the only reason he probably did this, he probably figured, uh, uh, a friend of Amnon, he probably figured maybe Amnon's going to be the next king. That's what he thought. And, and so I'm going to get on his good side. So he is not a good guy. He is actually, he's, he's David's nephew. That's who he is. One of the, and he's just not a, a friend. As I put this up, he's no friend of Absalom because no real friend will ever help you do wrong. True friend will help you do right. I told the story in the first service, but when I was in the, I think it was in the sixth grade, uh, we we, uh, we were in elementary school in those days. It wasn't middle school or anything. And I, we, they put us in the classes alphabetically, and this new guy moved in, and his name started with a B, and so he sat right close to me. And so I, I, I met him. And so one day, I didn't know him very well, but one day I said, you want to come home with me after school? And he went, yeah. So we went home, and... Uh, Right by my house, just right through a little woods, was my elementary school. And so I said, You want to see my elementary school? So we went over there and I was looking around and I looked back and he had a knife and he had taken the hose that was attached and he was cutting this knife this hose. And I went, What are you doing? He said, I'm cutting this hose. I said, I know that's what are you doing? That's wrong. He went, No. And then on the way back to the house I found out that he had in his pocket a whole bunch of M and M's that he had stolen when we went into the store. So he left, and I told my mama, I said, Mama, this guy, he cut the hose at the school, and he told Eminem." She said, you can never play with him again. You can never let him come to the house. Don't mess around. He will get you in what? Into trouble. See, a real friend won't get you into trouble. A real friend will help you. And Zonadab is not a real friend, and he, is, he tells to David, he said, David, you don't have to worry. The only one that's really dead is Amnon. He's the one That is dead. So verse 34. uh, Now Absalom fled. Listen, Absalom thought he was going to come back. Look what it says in verse 34. Now Absalom had fled, and the young men who were watchmen raised their eyes, and they looked, and they saw many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And so here they look out, and they see a whole bunch of people coming. And that's the rest of the sons riding on their mules. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come according to your servant's word. So it happened. And so he says, they're all coming, and, and, and this, is, this is it. And so as soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept, and, 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 they were all, and, and the king and all the servants wept very bitterly. This is horrible. Do you remember this goes back to what God told David? David was told, the sword will not depart from your family. There's going to be evil. And we've already seen one son raped somebody, another son has killed somebody. Now they've got all this mess going on. God's word is true, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. When the Bible says something is true, when the Bible says if you believe in Jesus Christ, he gives you eternal life, that is true. The moment you believe in Christ, you get eternal life and you're saved and saved forever. You can trust the word of God, it is always true. Well, what happened? What happened to Absalom, verse 37? Absalom fled and went away to Talmai, the son of Amenhub, the king of Jeshur. And David mourned for his son every day. Now, there's two things I want you to see in this verse. First of all, he fled to Talmai. You know who Talmai is? Talmai is his grandfather. See, his mother was the daughter of Talmai, who was the king of Gersher. So when David married her, he married a princess. He married somebody who was daughter, she was the daughter of the king. His name was Talmai. And I think David did married her probably to, to keep an alliance going with Gersher. And so when Absalom flees, where can he go? He says, I'm going to my granddaddy because I know he won't turn me over. I'll just get there and I'll be safe. And so he went to the king of Gersher. Now there's one other thing I want you to look at the end of verse 37, the Absalom fled and went to Talmah, the son of Ahimnad, the king of Gesher, and David mourned for his son every day. Which son? It didn't say sons. It said son. Did he mourn for Amnon, who was killed? Did he mourn for Absalom, who was gone? What is it? Look at verse 39. Oh, the 30, the 30 let's see, um, 38. So Absalom had fled, and he'd gone to Gershore, and he was there for three years, three years. and the heart of the king, David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. Now, that verse is a little bit hard to figure out. It says David longed. Absalom's now been gone for three years, and David mourned for him. David wanted him to come back, longed for him. But then it says, but... He was comforted concerning Amnon. And the, the Hebrew word for comfort is weird. It can mean to be grieved. It can mean to be suffer grief. It can mean to be comforted. And of course, it's translated comforted here. So the real question is, is it saying David longed to see Absalom because now he had gotten over the death of Amnon. And that's probably what's right. It's it, it probably saying that he had finally gotten over the fact that Amnon got killed and he wants Absalom to come back. Now, Absalom's been gone for three years. And Absalom says, I don't know if I can go back. I mean, I killed one of the sons. What will they do to me when I go back? So I don't know if I'm going to go back or not. We don't know. And this is where we have to stop to see what's going to happen. So just because of time, let me quickly give you some applications. And that is this. First of all, let's remember vengeance belongs to the Lord. It is so easy to want to get back people. I mean, it's just so easy when somebody does this wrong. The natural thing is to get them back, but the supernatural thing is to to do what God says. Allow God the vengeance. He will repay. Just remember this. People don't get away with anything. When they hurt you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. God's there. You don't have to worry about it. Second, seek to be at peace. Do everything you can to be at peace. The whole idea of reconciliation, listen, Reconciliation may not be possible. Forgiveness is always, you always forgive them. But they may not be reconciled with you. And you may not want to be reconciled with them. You may say, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where they'll hurt me again. So sometimes you can always be at peace, but there may not be reconciliation. And this is the hard one. Overcome evil with good. And I think that's the supernatural thing there. Second, realize how costly sin is in our lives. It affected David, Amnon, Absalom, Tamar, Uriah, Bathsheba, and the whole nation sin. And when we sin, and we think, I'm doing this, but nobody knows. I'm doing this, but nobody cares. I'm doing this, nobody will ever find out. I'm doing this, it's only going to hurt me. You're going to hurt other people. Sin's never in a vacuum. It always touches other lives. And the last thing Let's understand God will fulfill his word. Whatever promise he makes is always true. He told David, and it's sad, but he said, David, there will always be the sword, violence, and evil in your household. And all the way to the end, that's the way it is. And we're going to see it as we go through 2 Samuel. We'll see how that ties together. That means that when God makes a promise you can count on that promise. When he says, I give you eternal life, you have eternal life. When he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he'll never leave or forsake you. When he says, bring all your requests to me, count, let you, you can bring all your requests to him. Every promise that he ever makes is always true.